I should say where we are. We're on Malalu Beach, right? It is, yeah, and it's you crowded. Can, you can hear the crows. <laughs> it's our third person in the podcast. Is this crow that's been talking about so. our head. We had motorbikes. Listen for the yeah. motorbikes. <laughs> My name's James. This is Listen to Chimisha Fam. And I'm joined by Alana. Hi, James. Who are you, Alana? (laughs) So I am a uh, teacher and I am a technologies and science uh, head of department. Also represent uh, Google for different events as well. Represent Google? So like you're selling the wares or you're just teaching people? So I am doing both. So uh, not so much selling, more so promoting I do run seminars and conferences on how to integrate Google into your classroom Um, and the school that I do teach at is a Google reference school so it's pretty hard to get. We're the only government West Australian school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I brought Alana on and I always have like, try to have creative people on the podcast but this is a bit different because this is someone who's a creative teacher. I guess I have quite a few friends that are teachers and this always comes up at dinner parties is how to... um, get kids to actually learn good especially when they're not in like a you know a private school with lots of money and private tutors and stuff like that and uh so i'll be thought it'd be awesome to come have alana on and talk about what's what's the state of the art in uh getting kids to pay attention (laughs) how do you teach them especially in what you do sciences yeah it's looking at integrating your technology into Mm -hmm. your classroom i think um it's a digital they're all little digital citizens, really. It's um, ingrained in them. Uh, and I don't teach in a, like a leafy green school. Mm-hmm. I teach in a low socioeconomic area. Uh, my school has 83% uh, IEC students, so that's looking at refugee kids that have come straight in. They have no English. So it presents a lot of hurdles. So bringing in technology, which is the same across all cultures, all nationalities, is a really great way of getting them engaged. So do you, uh, like, so what is your class? Like, you're the, a science teacher or do you have a group of students yes. and you specialise in something? Uh, so a bit of both. Um, I teach mainstream science, so that's years one to six uh, in the science lab. Yep. Um, and I also teach phase two uh, IEC students. So that's children that have come to Australia. They've done about six months to a year uh, with a very intensive English kind of course at our school. And they're not quite ready for mainstream. There's still some misunderstandings in terms of using the English language. Uh, and then they come to me in phase two. I also run uh, technology. So technology runs across the whole school with uh, different teachers, running PDs, that kind of thing, and uh, in-class supporting. And we've got a TAGS team. So that's your talented and gifted students. And that's where more of the um, solar cars and robotics and that kind of thing comes in. So those those kids what like they have an extra period in the week or is that a whole for their tags children yeah like how do you yep so the tags program will run uh during lunchtime it's kind of like a lunchtime club sometimes yep uh as we get closer to competitions you'll have before and after school uh we also have uh monday blocked out so after lunch on a monday uh, i have another technology specialist come in from outside the school um, and we work specifically with a group of anywhere between four and ten students. I think I, I've been following your sort of career a bit over the years. Like, what what does it take to, like, you did like a master's. You went beyond just getting a dip ed. I did, yes. I'm a big student myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm always learning, always looking at uh, research, what's new, what, what kids will enjoy. I think the biggest thing when I started was 
uh, everything was on a worksheet and the class that I was tandem teaching with, there was absolutely no technology happening in that class at all. And I thought, I'm not the most organised person. I'm going to lose all these worksheets. Um, how can I make it easier for myself and more engaging for my students? So that's when I started looking at uh, bringing in tablets, um, using certain apps on there to get the kids doing uh, activities through there, teaching them how to post, all those kind of things. Um, and it's just been integrating it as I've made my way through. So starting as a classroom teacher and then working up to a lead role, it's been it's been interesting. It's been very interesting, yeah. <laughs> is this, like, this current school, is, like, this your the first school that you were posted at? Second. Or, and Second. this is, like, how did you get this job? Like, I got poached. <laughs> yeah, okay. So they recruited you. I got recruited, yeah. yeah. Um, I started at my first school uh, taking junior science. So that was four days a week and a one-day uh, tandem spot in a year four class. Um, neither of which used much technology. Uh, I had a, had a good relationship with the previous deputy principal and I'd said to her, look, if you hear of anything, can you put my name out there? Because uh, at the time, I, mean, I was only contracted for one year. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, the aim in, t- in teaching is to get that permanent residency. So um, she put my name forward. I got a call from the principal at my current school. He said, come down for just a bit of a chat. So I rocked up and there was a, a panel. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, yeah, it wasn't a bit of a casual chat. It was a bit full on, and I didn't get the job. Oh. I didn't get the job. Uh, <laughs> it was for tandem in a year four classroom, and at the time they gave it to a male because there were some curly boys in there. Oh right. Um, and they didn't think that a, a young female teacher could uh, it, could really a curly cut boy? it. Boy, like tough to handle. Tough to handle, okay. yeah, because right. it's a it's a rough area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so very tough to handle boys. Uh, it didn't last long. Um, and then I got a call from one of the females who was on the panel saying, oh, I really, really want you to come along and be my tandem. Uh, and before I knew it, before the uh, school holidays were over in the middle of the year, uh, that principal had actually uh, poached me. And I okay. was informed that there's a full-time gig for me at this current school. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and these, what age group are these kids? I moved straight into a year four, four okay, class. Okay, so these are primary. Primary, You don't do yeah. high school? Don't do high school Is at the moment. Is it one of those schools that combine everything? No. As in a, a tw- kindy how do, to 12. How do they do it? How do they divide it up these days? I keep hearing mixed. So it goes from kindy to six. Yeah. And then seven to 12 is now high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's no middle schools? There's no middle well, You know, you've got the leafy green private schools. They'll okay. have your middle school. All right. Yeah. But generally speaking, your primary is K to six. So high school's now six years. Seven. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's seven. Okay. Year seven to year 12. Yeah. Alana has a pretty cool Instagram where she posts like her teaching hacks and what, what's that all about? So I have a couple, like most teachers would. <laughs> You've got the one your students could probably find and the one that you hope they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's all about the uh, WA, more well, I guess larger teaching community. So we, we do love to share our hacks and it's about empowering teachers to give it a go. So when I took on the head of technology role, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was all about self-education, uh, the best courses you could find that were hopefully free. Yeah, didn't didn't cost too much, um, and sharing that with other teachers, and it's a great community, um, and you do find with cross collaboration across schools. If I'm not sure how to do something, um, there's always another teacher posting something, a reply, or someone getting in contact to say, "Hey, come out to my school, have a look yeah. at what we're doing." So it's it's great for that. Well, what's the balance like between? You know, finding creative stuff that the kids will just like and finding creative stuff that 
you can afford to do. <laughs> well, that's well, that's the beauty of uh, using technology. What you've got, a lot of the basics you can apply across the field, and they don't they don't cost anything. A lot of apps and things are free. There's a lot of unplugged stuff, so everything is always really um, hands on. I think. In terms of budget, like we could always do with more money in our budget, especially I feel in technology, because those robots are not cheap. No. <laughs> no, they're not. And I just think it's just finding creative ways. So you might have rotations happening in your class where some kids are hands-on with the robot. You might have another kids moving around and doing something unplugged. And it's quick, short and sharp um, lessons, I think. Also, just being very explicit about what you're teaching. I think if you're not very explicit with your students about what's going down in that lesson, they'll, they won't be engaged because they don't know what's going on. They don't know what they're meant to be learning. They've got no clue. So I think being really explicit about what's happening and what you're trying to teach them is really important when you're delivering that lesson. Obviously, when you're, I assume when you're studying, you're, you get placements like work experience kind of things. Sure. And then you're sort of, eventually you've got this full-time gig. Like what is... Does, does those placements help the shock factor of being thrown in? <laughs> like, what, what's the difference between, you know, sort of that work experience sort of stuff and then actually going, oh, God, I now am responsible for these kids? Yeah, I remember my first day um, of my first prac, I was with an older woman, uh, U4 class, actually, and the first break of the day, so recess, she looked at me and she said, you look like a deer in the headlights. Don't show them your fear. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah, it was very confronting and very overwhelming. The second prac I went on uh, was a little bit better. The last one, I was fortunate to find a teacher that encouraged me to teach the way I was comfortable teaching, which is where I started to bring in a bit more creativity. So... Uh, we had a real focus on Harry Potter at the time. Uh, she was a huge Harry Potter fan and I asked her if I could convert her room into the, the great hall with the candles from the ceiling and, like, could I create uh, different groups and differentiation based on the different uh, houses like uh, Gryffindor and that. And she was all for it. So then I would bring in technology, we'd create a website and is everything like was based. Book week or is this like no, for the whole the theming, whole, the whole year? Kind yeah, of the whole theming of my yeah. prac. Yeah, wow, okay. so we brought all the curriculum in and we switched it up to be about Hogwarts and Harry Potter. And uh, yeah, she's very supportive. And that's, I think I really liked teaching before that, but that is where I really fell in love with um, being able to be creative and engage students and find out what they're interested in and bring that into the classroom. That's where that all started for me. So kids are still pretty into Harry Potter. They are so into Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> I was reading this morning about these, some of these Harry Potter fans. I was pretty hyped about what if Netflix did Harry Potter, where it's like you could turn the whole first book into like a 24-hour movie that you could just live in for 24 hours. That would be, that would be awesome. That would be so awesome. <laughs> and do justice to the book. None of this, you know, cutting a book down to two hours kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? uh, so you, you, we talked a bit earlier about Google Classroom. Like what's... You know, I listen to a lot of tech podcasts, you know, they, um, a lot of Google sort of focused podcasts and they, they brush on, touch on like oh, how Chromebooks are changing schools and like just how things are changing. Like what, what is like this technology that you're sort of integrating? Like what does it, especially for primary school age yeah. kids, what, uh, well, what's the, happening? The, the Chromebook is great. It's absolutely fantastic. So we are um, like a Google reference school, only government one uh, in WA and we have one-to-one program for our IEC students and our mainstream from year two up for a Chromebook. It's taken a while to roll that out. 
Uh, the lady before me started that and we're just finishing it off now. It's basically getting the kids online um, and on a device. The reason being the world is changing. There is not one job generally in the world where they're going to have a job that doesn't require them to use and understand technology. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about teaching that technology's curriculum but more so integrating it into their everyday use and, and life at school. Uh, some kids surprise you. They know exactly what they're doing and they're at it. Other kids need a lot of help. So your Chromebook automatically uh, links up to the Google Education Suite. Obviously, you can choose guest rather than give your kids a one-on-one sign-in. Uh, and then you can go to whatever suite that you want. But the Google Suite has the equivalent of Word, Excel, PowerPoint. It's just docs, slides, sheets. It's same thing, just a different company. But the beauty of it is uh, when you integrate it into Google Classroom, Uh, the children are able to collaborate online together in the one document. Google Classroom will also allow you to differentiate. So not every child learns the same. Uh, Not every kid learns at the same pace or responds to the same kind of activity. So you can differentiate by choosing certain kids you want your lesson to go to and then pitching it at a different level for those other kids and shooting it out that way. So it works quite well for teaching and it streamlines everything as well. So, for people who don't know what a Chromebook is, like, when I, I remember when it was introduced, the dream of the Chromebook is that you can just be given just, you know, this hardware device, and then you log in with your Google account, and it turns this, this just generic computer into your computer. Yes. Yeah. How is that dream, and obviously that's good for kids, because they don't have to, I mean, what's this, the one-on-one program, that means every kids every allocated child. one? Yeah, every child has one. Um, so like, and they take it home, or is it no, just at school? No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, so it belongs at the school. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's down as one of our, um, you know, our assets. Every child has one because it obviously makes it a lot easier than trying to share a device that needs to stay in their in their block. Mm-hmm. So we have lockdown areas uh, like most schools would, uh, and the kids are taught how to take care of that device, what a good digital citizenship looks like, sounds like, feels like, all that kind of stuff before they're allowed to to get online and have a go. The beauty is also. You don't need to save anything, it's especially for children. You, they forget to save all the time, so yeah. automatically saving. Um, and I can push out, if a teacher is asking for mathletics or reading eggs, any sort of education app, I can also push that out from the Google admin to every child. Um, and again, I can differentiate. So if, if the lower years would like mathletics and the older years would like something else, I can just push mathletics to years one to three, something else to the top end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it works really well. And I assume, assume that kids that do are able to afford to have their own computer can log in from home? They can, yeah. yeah. So it's your login is set uh, by our school domain. Mm-hmm. So I've got admin rights. I can see what they're doing. Uh, but the beauty also is that the Google Classroom and all those documents, if they've got homework, they can work on that at home. It's just the same as signing into your Gmail or your Google account. Mm. So probably even those people that can have a computer at home, it probably saves them having to lug a computer back and forth because they can just sort of go home and they're sort of in this seamless space yeah. because it's in the cloud. It's in the cloud, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's a great communication tool as well. I mean, I was off for a couple of weeks last year uh, with some surgery uh, and it was the two weeks before our big uh, Lego League competition and I couldn't be in the class to make sure that my kids were on track but I could see all their work from home Mm -hmm. yeah so I could definitely send them the messages send them the suggested edits what needs to be tweaked what doesn't what's going well what's not Uh, I could do that from my my bed pretty much which is great encourages you to be a workaholic yeah yeah it does yeah there's no downtime (laughs) (laughs) I know Alana because we briefly went to high school together yeah 
um, we went to Swanbourne Senior High School, which doesn't exist no. anymore. Prime real estate now. <laughs> yes. And I think neither of us lived nearby. Um, kind of close. But you didn't, it wasn't your local school, right? No, 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 no. And I think we both came to it because they have these special programs. I came for a science te- technology program. I think you came for ballet. I did. I did. <laughs> like an intensive ballet course. Yeah. And we were kind of like isolated. I remember you guys were like, there was the ballet girls and we were part of the ATP kids, yes. the technology kids. And then there's the mainstream kids in between. I think they also had a deaf program for a while and they had the intensive language center. They did, yeah. And there's all these little different groups that are um, uh, connected together. And I was just wondering, like, what, you know, you're now a teacher. Do you ever think back to that time? Like, how much does, like, your experience as a student, like, inform what you do? Like, I ask my students their opinion all the time. Yeah. Nobody asked my opinion as a student. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, as a teacher and an educator, how do you know that your lesson was engaging? Mm Mm-hmm. Or how do you know that that was the best way to deliver something if you don't ask? It's just as important to give them feedback on, like, their projects and what they're doing in the classroom. I think it's really important as a teacher to grab feedback from your students, what they don't like about your class, what they would love to do in your class. I mean, we've just had uh, week one, and part of that class is always asking the kids, okay, our topic this term is chemical science or whatever it might be. What things do you want to see? What things do you want to do? this term and then I'll work about working that into their program mm-hmm. yeah I definitely found because I the the one cool thing about this this going to this school that was like far away from my all my friends from primary school was that they had this um very hands-on program which is probably similar to what you do with your extracurricular stuff with that where like we'd had to I had we had to do an advanced maths and science course which I had hated <laughs> I just wanted to be in the regular math science with the mainstream kids but then what we did get to do is like we got to have like a full half day in a couple of other classes where we were called the sort of applied technology program where we had to use what we learned in maths and science to like say I think our first year we had to build a bottle rocket and see try and fly as far as we could so we had to use and we had one we had to climb, get a like a, a remote control car that's specially designed to go up very steep hills. And who could go up the steepest hill with their car? That they and you have to build it by hand. You can't just buy a remote control and car and mod it. And um, we built solar houses, so we had to learn about solar passive design, about keeping your house cool. We had to build a solar car and race it around a track. Yeah. And it was like all those other classes. I sort of my other classes that I did, I was struggling in. I had struggled to pay attention. But as soon as they were like, okay, you have to design a rocket to get as far as possible. I'm like, so how do we do that? It's like, well, you know, you see in maths class, you're doing um, learning about triangles and stuff like that. You've got to work out your tans and your sins. See, I'm so out of touch. (laughs) (laughs) But you, and suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I get to use these things that just like, stuff you have to memorize in those other classes then it's like i have to actually apply this to actually build a rocket and actually use the physics um to go oh okay all right i can now i get this whole because you're doing electronics on paper it's just like it seems insane to me and i guess it's good learning how to plan out a circuit but then suddenly when you actually have to make a vehicle work you're like oh okay i need to work out what difference between series and parallel and and i did so much better in that classes because of 
having to apply that suddenly that came back to where my grades in maths and science were terrible and then I got better and better over the time and I'm like when is that you, obviously you seem to be taking this to heart and doing things like what how's the education system dealing with applied learning like these days uh, applied learning is great um, I think it also it very much depends on what what school you're in and how you're I guess the uh, the admin feel about it as well. Mm. So you will find in some schools uh, things are very still very rote. Yeah, it's just repeating things. Um, I'm fortunate that where I am, teachers are right on board with mm. the with the uh, applied learning. I think the real world problems as well they mm. they absolutely help. But with those uh, like learning to to shoot the rocket or mm. the steep hill, um, those are the kind of things that we integrate into our science program. So everything has a applied learning and an application, a hands-on application. Yeah. And there's very much encouraged in the in the lower years. Um, so everything is uh, very much play-based as well, which is really great. It gives them a chance to experiment different um, different skills hands-on, which is it's a fantastic thing for them to have. I would say that it is a, a push. It definitely is a push. Uh, we're not the highest performing nation in the world when it comes to education and I think trying new things and giving those things a go um, especially like your feedback that that was where you excelled because Mm -hmm. you got to do it hands-on I think we have to think about that some children really really benefit from hands-on and um, not to say that you're a bad kid in high school or anything but I know that my my slightly more challenging behavior children really really benefit from applied learning Yeah. yeah Because they can see that link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but you're starting out a lot earlier. Like, I do remember we had this one cool project in primary school. We had to build a pasta bridge, a bridge out of pasta there. And, and it was sort of a group competition to see who could, whose bridge could hold the most weight. And um, But we didn't have... People were basically guessing as to how you can make a strong bridge out of pasta. There was no backup in that we, were, we weren't doing it sort of a class on maths on the side to actually go oh this is the strongest shapes and stuff like that to construct out of but it was really fun to do just to learn to experiment you know so we didn't have the maths and science because you're not doing advanced math science at least back then yeah but you got to go okay there's these really cheap materials you get the the 95 cents pasta from Woolworths and some wood glue and you go let's make a bridge and see what happens yeah so what's it like integrating with these young kids like well, we, uh, we start like coding and technology straight from the early years. So pre-primary, they're, they're coding. Wow. I mean, and that starts with being unplugged. And I'm a big believer in using the right vocabulary right from the start. Mm-hmm. So my little uh, like phase one IEC kids straight, straight into schooling here with no English. Uh, one of the first words they learn with me is algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll, I'll see them later on in the year or like at the start of this year. And I'll say, what's that word? And they'll shout out algorithm to me. So, yeah. I mean, using that, that vocab, um, the earlier you introduce it, the better. Mm-hmm. That, that's my, uh, my viewpoint. And also with the uh, not learning, I know that you did the challenge and not learning the maths beforehand. I find that sometimes it's great to do that challenge to hook the child yeah. and then yeah. unpack it afterwards. Yeah. So, how come this group, how come this group had their, uh, their bridge standing the longest? Mm-hmm. Also, where, where I'm working, I'm fortunate to have um, like a math specialist, a literacy specialist, and then there's myself in the science tech area, um, and we all work together. So teacher collaboration and teacher efficacy is really important when delivering programs for students. So I might say to one of those uh, leaders, okay, what's year two doing in mainstream maths? 
and she might say, oh, we're working uh, maybe on following directions or north, south, east and west or something like that. And I'll be like, okay, great. So I can develop an algorithm program that goes side by side because they kind of talk about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's about being on that same page so the kids can see a link and it's not just spread out everywhere throughout the year. And so is this like when you compare yourself to your peers, is like is a group of you pushing this or is this just you, you know, in your own time trying to suss this out and experiment? A uh, bit of both, bit of both. So the group I went through uni with, um, there are a couple uh, there that are right on technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, one woman is a, a draftswoman. Uh, so she's right into that 3D modelling kind of thing. So she does great and pushes that. One of the blokes has been thrown into a tech support role. Um, so we were in contact quite a bit and we, we rock up at these like robotic events trying to learn the same kind of thing. So, I mean, like there are small communities where we push it together. Uh, but for the most part, I just I want these kids to be enthusiastic about learning and to have the skills that their peers might have. They're in a very uh, low socioeconomic area and they don't have access other than school mm-hmm. to these kind of programs. So it is absolutely yeah, a personal push of mine to get that through. You also, um, I remember in high school, you went on exchange to like Canada, I think it was. I did, yes. Did you actually get a taste of the Canadian education system? Like how does that compare? Um, like. It was so different. I remember because uh, Swanbourne was open. It was yeah. very open. You'd walk out like on the balcony or below, but everything was open. Yeah. The school in Canada, everything was closed in. Yeah. I was like, wow, holy dooly. Uh, and I hadn't done, coming from the ballet program, I hadn't done home economics. So I really wasn't cooking much or anything yeah. <laughs> like that. So I got to do that. That was really cool. Um, and as an exchange student, I thought, you know what, I'll give it a crack. I'll give all different areas a go when I picked my timetable. So I picked advanced physics. That was hard. Yeah. <laughs> that was extremely hard. Jumping in, what, in year nine or ten. Yeah, was, yeah. It's not like you're going from year eight or something like that. No. Physics, no. no. It was, that was intense. So, I mean, it was very uh, textbook heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't so much get worksheets because you just write into your textbook there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Do they have pop quizzes like I see on American No. I had no pop quizzes. Yeah. None. My my knowledge of Canadian education system is Degrassi Junior High. So. <laughs> the cafeteria <laughs> yeah. is spot on. All oh, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, did you ever think about that when you now? For teaching? Like, uh, was there anything good that they did? The they pep rallies. They were great. Okay. <laughs> Didn't never seen one of those okay. like at Swanbourne. They they pulled together as a community really yeah. well. Yeah, that I saw. So that Were I you in a big city or a town? Tiny little town, little oh, okay. mining town actually. Oh, wow. So the family I stayed with ran the the busing company okay. to the mines in and out. So I was fortunate that um, they were in a position to take me around Canada mm-hmm. to show me oh, the wow. culture and things. So definitely, I would say they do community feel extremely well, but it. I saw more of a focus on the sports side, so there wasn't really... What uh, kind of sports was it? Ice hockey. Ice hockey, yeah, ice did hockey. Did you learn how to skate? I did learn hockey? how to... Yeah, I absolutely so did. pond hockey? Or, no. <laughs> I guess you went over in the summer. No, no, we had, well, I did, but eventually it, um, okay. yeah, it froze over. Skidoos are great, so that's like your jet ski on snow. All right. Those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that the thing that you've... To take most from your experiences, asking the kids for feedback. What kind of feedback are you getting from these kids? Like, uh, some some feedback's pretty funny, actually. 
because children are, are honest. Mm-hmm. They're very honest. If they were bored, they'll tell you they were bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of feedback, things like, so we're doing, we are doing chemical science this term across the school. Uh, I've had some kids ask if we can blow things up. I've, I've said like, look, we're not blowing anything particular up in the school, but absolutely we can get on the oval and we can do some experiments when stuff shoots up in the air and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Some Mentos. And yeah, like some that. of that Mentos and Coke action, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that kind of feedback. I also asked them, so we're trialling um, some other apps and things on their Chromebooks at the moment. So I had a group of U6 students come in and work with me yesterday um, and I had them have a go and yeah. I asked them, how hard was it? Did you prefer that to this one? Which one works better? Mm-hmm. So those kind of things. So feedback as well, not only in what they get to learn and do in class, but also in my role, um, what technology is working and which way they think they would like to go. So there's plenty of robots out there, but kids have their favourite and they have their favourite for different reasons. And that informs like when I, where I spend my budget, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's what's their world like these days? Like, do you, do you like? I assume do they have mobile phones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had uh, so they they all access the internet on uh, like their department, like on their Chromebooks. They access yeah. the internet on their own department login. I assume a restricted version of the internet. Yeah, it is very restricted. So I monitor that and I have all rules and things in place there. But uh, one kid said to me, "Well, you can't see what I do on my phone." And I said, well, are you using the school Wi-Fi or using your own data? And he said, I'm using the school Wi-Fi, so I don't have to pay for it. And I said, well, I hate to break it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I can see what you're doing on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. So some of them do have phones. A lot of them don't. Is it, what's, what's the, are they making laws about this? Like you've got to put the phone in the locker or? They're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a phone in any of my classes, mm. but they talk about their phones. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, if there's a social media blow up on the weekend... It's oh, because right. they've been on their phones and yeah. then we unpack it at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you unpack it with them? Yeah, we can unpack it with them. So we, like, as, as we work together like collaboratively uh, in terms of curriculum, we also do in terms of like, student well-being. Yeah. So if there's been an inappropriate thing happening on social media with the year sixes or behaviour-wise, um, absolutely we all have a meeting, we get on board, we get on the same page as specialists and the class teacher. This is how we're going to approach it. This is how we'll move through and we'll follow it through all the different classes. Mm. We can't control what our students do at home. Yeah. Uh, I have a 16-year-old and she hasn't been the best on social media. So she's just been uh, handed an old school phone, the ones where you have to press like the button three yeah. times to get the right letter. So that's what she's got. At school, it's mandatory for the kids to do five lessons on digital safety, digital citizenship, are those kind of things, like looking at what's appropriate, what's not, consent, those kind of things, uh, before they get uh, to use devices. Yeah. Yeah. And they also need to sign a contract where I'm at. So if no contract, no device. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so you uh, you just mentioned that you're a mother. So you're, like, I assume they don't go to your school. No, they don't, no. Like, what's their, are you getting feedback from them, like looking at what their sort of schooling career is and like going, well, how can I make this better for my kids or, yes. or take something? or Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking over their shoulder when they're on their laptops at yeah. home, like doing their homework. And if they're on an interesting site or doing something that I haven't seen before, I'm like, what's that? Stop. Explain yeah. it to me. Do you like it? Why do you like it? Um, and I have taken things that I've seen them do into my own class. So absolutely. Uh, in terms of science and, and lessons, uh, even robotics, uh, I will do those lessons at home, so I will trial experiments in the backyard with them, yeah. um, and we'll 
learn to uh, to code certain new robots that I might get through. They'll learn with me, especially mm-hmm. the younger ones. So he's he's a twelve year old boy. All right. Yeah. So he's right into that. Must be a that. cool mum. Well, I don't know if they'd say that, but <laughs> but is yeah. I mean, I I, I I always loved helping my dad out when he was like, "Well, we're going to build a pecola." Yeah. In the backyard, and that's maybe my first touch of applied science. Like, oh, you have to measure out the wood and cut it, and you know, measure twice, cut once. Yes, that's that's, that's a good saying. <laughs> Which I totally screwed up. Basically, when I was an adult, I came remember I, a few years ago. I went, helped my dad build a fence, and I cut this thing wrong. It's like, what did I tell you? <laughs> You've got soft in your old age. I mean, you're obviously dealing with the mother. Like, what's what's the whole screen time deal like? Sure. My kids, so my eldest one gets half an hour on social media. That's it, like on a device. So we recently had a a blow up where an iPad that I thought had been uh, well and truly retired was found hidden under some clothes. Uh, Okay, yeah. And I I do know that she had Instagram, but there were also multiple Instagram accounts. So she had more than one. Yeah. Uh, not being used in the best way, yeah. so hence the old school phone. Yeah. So she gets uh, the iPads in my room now. She can't get that one, but her old phone with all social media and the one Instagram account that her father and I follow that we mm-hmm. knew about, uh, she gets half an hour on that, yeah. and that's in front of us, yeah. and it's with us by her side pretty much. They're sitting on the couch or whatever it might be. The younger one is really not interested. He's very introverted. He's a very quiet young man. He will spend ages on education apps. Okay. Yes. Yeah, which is bizarre. Yeah, but I'm I'm more than happy to support him in that. Yeah. 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 So things like Minecraft, which is sort of super creative. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you heard about Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. Uh, These little things that are like games, but they sort of allow you to be sort of creative, you know. They do. So, Minecraft Education has a whole uh, curriculum-based program as well. Oh, wow. So, we do bring that in at school so the kids can do Minecraft because it's something they already play and enjoy. It's just the education version. Wow. Yeah. So, you guys doing that thing where you can build a computer inside Minecraft? Not at the moment, no. (laughs) I'll look into that. Yeah. When you talk to, are you talking to other parents about screen time? Oh, yeah. Um, both with your own kids and your students' parents? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I did have a couple of years ago a student's uh, mother come in, yeah. and then at another point, the student's dad. Uh, the problem they were having, this particular child was coming in quite, quite late and very tired, uh, was that he wouldn't get off the device. Yeah. And I think my advice at the time was. You're the parent. Yeah. Yeah. You really need to make that call and be quite stringent and strict. Uh, In terms of education as well, I think technology plays a big part in them being able to do any homework from home. You just need to be quite vigilant. You can get um, programs that block certain sites and applications that you can run as a parent. The problem I face at my school is because they are quite fresh to Australia, the majority of them, they don't have that knowledge. They don't know about that. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have parent information sessions um but you know how much they absorb or they they get from that i'm not sure yeah yeah i mean we it's not like it's really that much of a new thing like i remember my mom having to cut down say look own an hour of tv a day yeah and eventually got to like only tv on the weekends (laughs) and then it got to like when it got really serious it was like only tv during the school holidays you know like it could just you know wow your mom is strict yeah and i (laughs) I do, like, appreciate that. Like, I definitely, there are, I mean, then the computers came along. And so, we were restricted in what we could do on the 
TV, but suddenly you had a computer where yeah. you could access the internet by yourself. So, you know, you're always having to evolve, you know. Yeah, I think uh, parents can get apps as well for their, you know, yeah. on their phones so they can see what their kids are doing. Yeah. At, like, so, I mean, there are ways that you can monitor it, but it's also you've got to trust them. Mm-hmm. You do have to trust them. If you lay down the guidelines first and, you know, you let them know the consequences of what happens uh, when they don't abide by those guidelines, then, yeah, yeah, absolutely, then you, you enforce those consequences. I have my kids quite young, so I don't have friends with children the same age generally. Okay. They're yep. all a lot younger. Uh, I do have one friend who has a son the same age. Yeah. So that's been quite interesting. Uh, he's been doing the same kind of things that my mm-hmm. daughter's been doing. So yeah. it's been great to have that kind of sounding board. Okay, I put this in place, but it's still not working. What do I do? Yeah. So I think uh, talking to other parents definitely is, a, is an absolute go-to. Are you sort of focusing on like pre-primary kids? At the moment, yeah. um, I'd like to make the jump. To high school? To, yeah, to high school, but maybe to a, a K to 12. Yep. Um, and also in that, I wouldn't mind um, actually doing more Google work. So I actually really enjoy the conferences and the um, training adults. It's yep. been quite interesting and rewarding. And uh, having teachers come through to my um, conferences or workshops and then contacting me afterwards to say, hey, I tried this. It was great. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, that's really rewarding. We've mentioned a few times that you're, you talked about your kids with their robots and stuff like that, and I think they're made of Lego? Yes. What is the Lego robots? Thing? Okay, so you can, depending on your age, you can have different kinds of Lego robots. Yeah. Uh, so they are, they're just varying complexity. So you've got your Milo, which is more etched at, you know, ones and twos, that kind of thing. Threes and fours, you've got your Spike. Uh, and above that, you've got the EV3. So and these are characters? or These are different robot models. Okay, so it's yeah. like a kit? A kit. It comes in a big kit on a trolley if you've got yeah. the money, a little yeah. special organisation system. Uh, has all the different parts in there. The, they have a, a brick or a, like a little central processing unit that comes with it. And the kids code on their Chromebooks and transfer it across to the, to the block or yep. the brick and then off it goes. Now, the beauty of Lego is that they can change it, build it, right. add motors, take away motors lift it up, put it down, whatever they want to do, they can change the robot to suit whatever the purpose may be. Yeah. yeah. And you're saying there's a competition? Yeah. So last year um, I took the kids, my special extension group kids, to Lego League. So yeah. Lego League is great. So it also generated a lot of um, interest in the school. So I've had a lot of kids ask me this year, can they be on the team? Yeah. Uh, which is great because it's getting the kids involved in technology and really getting them excited. So Lego League uh, is run by First Robotics, which is a um, big big company, and it's run internationally. I was lucky enough to participate as a teacher, as a coach, and as a judge as well. So uh, what it involves is a real-world problem. So this, well, last year it was uh, City Shaper, which was about uh, public spaces and how the community can use them. So there is a coding round where they need to go through and complete missions, so that's with their little EV3 robot um, adjusted to however it may be. And that's from 10-year-olds right up to year 10. So you might have little year 5s competing against year 10s. So wow. it's quite quite intense. Um, in addition to those missions, they've also got an innovation project. So the brief was to find a community space that's not being used to its full potential, find a problem and uh, find a solution. So they had that. And the third part of that program is uh, working as a team. So collaboration and community spirit, your core values. So just one team or is there multiple teams? It's up to you. So each team costs $400. So it's quite quite a pricey thing to do. Um, We were lucky to get sponsored uh, by Google last year. But... 
I found having a team of 10 was very chaotic, so I will be trimming that down this year. I might have two teams of four, yeah. perhaps, yeah. And did they have, a, like, an inter-school competition to see who makes it to the, the no. wider things? No. Or so both teams enter? Um, I'll, I'll, I would enter both teams, I yeah. think. Yeah, both teams. So there's, there were heaps of regionals uh, around Western Australia last year, and then from there they go to the States at Curtin University, and uh, the winners, a couple of winners there will go over to the Eastern States, and from there they'll go to Worlds. So, I mean, the goal was just to get them involved and excited last year, but they came back with a trophy, so I was so stoked and so proud of them, especially when a couple of the kids told me their parents... So where, where did they win the trophy? They won the trophy at their regional comp. Okay. Yeah. And, and where would that be? So their regional comp last year uh, was in Karama. Okay. Yeah, St. Stephen's in Karama, yeah. Uh, there were, I think... And then there's, they go to another thing after Yeah, that? so they, there were 28 teams, I think, at Karama. Yeah. Um, the Armadale Regional, uh, I judged at, I think there were close to 40 teams. So it's quite quite big. Um, and then they go across to Curtin um, if they place within, I think, the top five or top four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so winning the regional, there's no, like, they just look at the scores from all around and then get pick the top five, or do they have another competition it's quite uh quite complex actually okay. yeah <laughs> i thought it was that easy too and then i, I went and did the judging and i was like wow because wow. then you have to yeah. deliberate for so many hours afterwards and yeah. go like so they have like a big giant spreadsheet yeah. love, a, love a good spreadsheet <laughs> um, <laughs> certain points go towards like robot design robot mechanism core values uh like innovative project real world application those kind of things and then that gets evened out and then your mission score gets added on top of that. Yeah. So you could bomb out in everything but really, really like be the absolute top in your mission score and still get through. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids got judges choice uh, for the, predominantly for their core values. So they work really well as a community, which is what we try to push uh, at my school. And it was also upon judging on the next weekend when I was told, when I asked other judges, how come my kids didn't get a better score? Um, They actually came up in all the categories as a top five, but Mm -hmm. didn't get a high enough uh, mission score. So that tells me that this year we really need to drill in that coding skill and solving Mm -hmm. those missions, yeah. Obviously, they're a team and they've got to have the skills to build the, the Lego and code it, but like... Obviously, they're learning teamwork as well. Like, how do you arrange roles in a team? Like, how do you work out who's sort of signing off on the code and who's organising? I don't know. Is there anything like that? Like the head head, uh, techie person kind of thing, yeah. Um, I guess it's giving them all an opportunity to try everything first, giving them the skills first and watching how they apply those. Some people put their hand up. Um, and said, hey, I don't, I don't want the pressure of being out on the field with the mission because you have an audience and it's three rounds of two minutes yeah. and it's being timed and people are shouting at you and some kids don't really respond well to that. So I had a couple of kids say, hey, can I just do focus on the innovation project, which yeah. is more about designing a solution and delivering a presentation. So some kids will put their hand up. Other kids, if you see a leader in coding, like we did have a leader in coding last year, you allocate him as the head coder. Yeah. And then you divvy up your teams for each round depending on their strengths or weaknesses, those kind of things. Yeah, I did, obviously this is a bit beyond, but I did, we did a solar car competition and that was like our big main end of uh, program project. And um, I was obviously not the strongest in my maths and science, so I didn't get put really in the technical side, but you had to, they had to pick a leader because it was like these little nerds that are really good at coding the machines that we would use to, you know... CNC machines that you do like 
you know, we didn't have 3D printing back then, but they had machines that grind things yeah. down, you know, make yeah. it turn a piece of plastic into a wheel or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and uh, I was put in charge of leading a team. And so you have to get all the parts. You have to get the guy who's really good at the electronics to combine with the guy who's really good at um, running the CNC machines that builds the frame that you put the motors on. And, uh, and that was kind of an interesting thing, like learning to be a leader in that situation. Obviously, I'd never done anything like that at the time, so you make lots of mistakes. I remember, like, you're talking about getting sponsorship from Google. Like, well, that was part of the program. We had to get sponsorship. But this was the back in the day where there wasn't really email wasn't taken that seriously so I had to send out I remember the start of the year I sent out all these you know letters asking companies for sponsorship and we got to the end of year and we did the competition my team didn't we had to do a there was three teams in our school so we had to have an inter-school thing and my team came second or third we didn't get to make to the the final with the state final but after the thing came back I got all started getting all these letters in the mail with all this cash from these things because they had wait all these companies are like yeah we want to do it but we have to wait till the end of quarter to see what end of the quarter to see what is our yeah money left over that we donate to things like that so but then swanborn closed down sort of after i left so i don't know if they ever got to use that money in the next year where did money go yeah. <laughs> someone one of the teachers maybe scraped it off but that was i mean you know it was pretty exciting having to like as a 15-year-old just to write a letter to a company asking for sponsorship and then we had to like take their logos and we have to request the proper logos so we can print them on our shirts and um, that, you know, I never I, ne- I never got into engineering but a lot of the skills I learned from that I took into other stuff that I've done like shooting a short film it's like managing a project, you know you have to have all these different people, get them to work on their departments and bring it all together and it was a really cool kind of experience but obviously yeah, four kids probably not. Probably, probably about this, no, probably not wanting them to go out and mm. approach sponsorship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are probably having to learn to work as a team. I assume. Yeah, like. they are, and I mean, our science program. Uh, I have teams of three in each science class, yeah. um, and they're all competitive, so they all have team names based on the school values. Okay. Um, and they all earn points, and there's a leaderboard up on the wall, and it's uh, like it's a comp between their class, and it's a comp through the whole school. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reason we have teams of three is you have specific roles, so you have your manager, your speaker and your director so each yeah. one is responsible for certain tasks so there's the same kind of thing and it that runs straight from our little year ones so we do um actively encourage that learning and we like to switch up the roles a bit so no one's ever the same you get a get a chance that sounds awesome what's the what's you know to finish off like what's in the future like what are you excited about in the future uh the robotics yeah really excited about the robotics when I headed out to Curtin Uni uh, for the States to judge at the States, I was so excited about all the robotic stuff that the university was doing. Yeah. So, and I said to my mate who I was judging with, man, if I had my time over again, this is, I would be studying mechatronics. Like I would be doing something like this. Yeah. Um, I'm a big encourager of also having uh, the role models up in my classroom. So I've got uh, STEM scientists, uh, technology wizards, everyone up on my walls, and we have open discussions with the kids about who they are and what they've created. Mm -hmm. And I think innovation and robotics is what I am most excited about and encouraging children to think outside the box and not restricting them by giving them too many, I guess, rules about what they have to achieve, letting them be creative at the same time applying it across um, technology and science. I've been hearing about like Amazon is now selling like a remote control car 
that has a cameras on it and they're trying to get schools to learn machine learning and they have to get this remote control to navigate by teaching the machine how to do it using machine learning. And I'm just like, whoa. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, one of the... Which, but if you're getting these kids coding in yeah. primary school, by the time they get to high school, they probably have a huge knowledge base. To well, they have... Um, they've got... We've got like a little robotics uh, like most schools do, but one of the kids said to me, I was like, how could we use this dash and dot, like it's a little sturdy blue thing to, uh, you know, to solve a problem that we've got. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids said, oh, rather than sending a kid as a runner with a message to the office, we could code it. Yeah. To, you know, put the message on it and code it to go down or code it to get there and then speak because these yeah. robots speak. And wow. I was like, wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this stuff really excites me, even when I'm not a teacher. But, um, you know, I follow SpaceX. I'm a big space nerd. And they yeah. have their Hyperloop competition, which is like they get university kids to compete to send a, a go-kart down a vac a vacuum tube as fast as possible and it's just like I am so jealous of those kids like I wish we had I mean I still I got to experience that a little bit with the solar car competition yeah. but then after year 10 when we got year 11 and 12 like oh this all goes out the window now you've got to focus on just getting the best score in the TE and, th- and all the actual applied stuff goes right out the window because you're like you're literally learning how to pass the test not about the things that you that I just know. barely scraped through. I got like, you know, literally the, the C of C's. Um, <laughs> got the bare minimum to get into the, the course I wanted to. And literally as soon as I walked out of year 12, like that stuff, a lot of the maths and science just went out of my yeah. brain. I think um, we're on that note, I think giving kids the opportunity to respond to questions that like demonstrate that they have the knowledge, yeah. not just on pen and paper. Yeah is a really big thing. So, I mean, like, we use our technology, our, our, um, our apps and things, and the kids have the opportunity to demonstrate their knowledge in more than one way, especially with the school that I'm at. Yeah. They don't have those English, that vocab. So, finding other ways for kids to demonstrate that, yeah, yeah, is really key. I mean, they're not... If you sit in your science test, it shouldn't be about how well you put together a paragraph. It yeah. should be about your knowledge and what yeah. you can demonstrate, Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, Thank you. Really hearing about what's going on. Yeah. The state of the art and teaching in WA <laughs> in 2020. But yeah, it's been awesome uh, checking out what's going on. Thanks well, thank for you for having on. me. Thank you so much. Uh, what's your, do you want to give out your teaching Instagram if people were interested? Yeah, sure. So teaching Instagram is Mrs. M gets her teach on. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes if you can find that or it'll be at jimmyshfam.com. But yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers.